0: You're listening to Igniting Imagination, a podcast to spark the spirit within you from Wesleyan Impact Partners. Discover how you can join us in a spirit-led movement to bring about human flourishing grounded in love, generosity, and belonging by visiting ignitingimagination.org.
1: Hello, friends, and welcome back to Igniting Imagination. I'm your host, Lisa Greenwood. In this season, we're exploring the theme of sanctifying friendship. If you didn't listen to our first episode with Victoria White, I hope you will. She literally wrote the book, Holy Friendship, that has provided us with a strong foundation for continuing to explore what sanctifying friendship is, what it looks like, what it smells like, why it matters, how the church can be a place for cultivating friendships that form us to be more loving, more generous, more of who we were meant to be. Our guests on today's episode are familiar to you if you are one of our regular listeners, Reverends Matt Rawl and Rachel Billups. We've heard from you that they are a favorite because of their insights and their banter. You'll get more of that today, guaranteed. What you may not know about Matt and Rachel is that they consider each other best friends. They really do embody what it means for faithful leaders to forge sanctifying friendships that certainly bless them, but go far beyond themselves to positively impact the context that they've been called to serve. You can read their bios in our show notes and on the episode page on our website, ignitingimagination.org. And finally, here's a poem that pulls on some threads you will hear in our conversation with Matt and Rachel today. It's a blessing by Kate Bowler that she calls For the ones who bear witness, blessed are the noticers, the ones who see the story in its fullness, blessed are the attenders, the witness bearers, the story holders, the ones who tiptoe to the edge right alongside us, knowing that the very act will break their heart in pieces too, choosing us anyway. Blessed are those who are amazed by a life lived in its fragility, in its brevity, in its beauty. Blessed are the ones who stand close enough to say, behold. Behold, this is their love. Behold, This is their annoying habit. Behold, these are the people they loved and know so much about that they could implicate or exonerate them in a crime. Behold, these are their exes and their favorite songs to belt out in the car and their fast food orders. Behold, this is not a problem to be solved. This is a person to be loved. This is the miracle we get to call by name. And how lucky are we, these people, these loves, these precious, precious, precious days. Thanks be to God. Thanks for joining us today. Here's my conversation with Matt and Rachel. Rachel and Matt, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for being with us. We are pumped. Sure, of course. So when we were brainstorming for this season and thinking specifically about friendship and sanctifying friendship, you two came to mind. And one of the things I'm we- sorry heard your pool you say, was
2: so small. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, the, the energy- And the deep friendship that you all share is infectious and inspiring. And so I've really been looking forward to spending a little time with you and and talking about it Um, because I think we all long for connection. Of course, we are Mm -hmm. connectional beings. And um, one of the things that we've heard you say about each other is you've called each other bestie. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I love, yeah, yeah. I love using a little elementary junior high term in adulthood that brings us back to the center of who we are. And I, I just want to spend a minute and dig into that and have you all talk about what Rachel, I, you know, I'll start with you because you're really the one who throws that out. Maybe you both use it, but <laughs> I, I've heard you say it, Rachel. Yeah. So what makes me. We'll start with the extrovert. TV yeah, go and-, yeah. On, <laughs> and, uh. Yeah. So there there are a couple of things
0: I want to say. Number one, I think overall, particularly, let me talk about clergy for one moment. You know, clergy really do struggle with friendships. They struggle with relationships. I don't know how often I find myself in a group of people who at one moment or another, there's a confession time that says, I ain't got anybody. I don't have anybody. I don't have friends, you know? And it really does break my heart because I know I need friendship so desperately to do what I do and I cultivate friendship. Now, not to hurt my besties' feelings, uh, but I have a lot of besties. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I have a group of women. Take a number, take a number. And (laughs) honestly, like George Acevedo, I called him my bestie. And I have a guy on my staff. His name is Dave Warner and he's from Newark, which is just the town over from New Albany. And he's like, can I be your Newark bestie? (laughs) So so, um, (laughs) the language that I'm cultivating actually really is the sense in which, and I hear it from people, I need to know that someone sees me. I need to know that I matter. I need to know that there's another person that I'm in deep relationship with. And so it is a term of endearment. I will say, I don't know if you called me your bestie, but even before we were real besties, Matt on a podcast called me his best friend and like it's stuck ever since, you know, oh, and I really do believe like for all of us, lay persons, clergy persons, everything in between, we were created for deep, deep, meaningful relationship and isn't it awesome when someone's like, well, that person's my bestie and yes, yeah. Matt Rawl, I am the extrovert of extroverts and I make a bestie <laughs> like every other day. Uh, because I find in the
2: supermarket, at the airport, <laughs> at the DMV, like you're wrong. leaving the DMV, and like someone's like, oh, Rachel and I, we go back like forever, like forty-five minutes, because yeah. you like you bring these people in yeah. from like all. But, but the cool thing about that is you bring people in from all of these these walks of life because you know the importance of of connection, right?
0: And let me say, Matt and I knew each other from Duke. We knew each other from Abingdon and writing. We didn't meet each other. And actually how our relationship began really to become super deep. I was supposed to go to the Holy Land with my mama and that trip got postponed five times. And the first time it got postponed, it was in the middle of COVID and I needed some place to retreat. And I put it on Facebook and he reached out to me and he's like, my family has a place. And I'm like, your family has a place? Seriously? Like everybody's family has a place, whatever. He's like, no, no, no. My aunt Becky has a place. And it's
2: in the basement. Uh, <laughs> in the unmarked,
0: yeah, okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay, tell me more. And he was like, well, you know, um, it's in Pensacola beach. I'm like, yes, yes, please. I'll take that. And he, he his aunt was going to leave. I was like, no, just have her spend the week with me. So my family still jokes about how I went and spent a week with a total stranger.
2: Um, she spent was- more time with my aunt than I have in well, the last like three years.
0: Not, I mean, I've been there now several times and spent more than me. Jerk. And, um, (laughs) and so I know like, and so really Uh all of a sudden I have this long, frankly, raw history. And I'm like, wow, this is a human being that I need to know more about because there's a depth of family here. That's just really amazing. Mm. And his aunt was there able to share with me, like, Matt has a really beautiful relationship with his sisters. And so, and just Mm -hmm. has this place in his family that is just kind of a sacred place. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I can be like, that's a safe human. I can be friends with him. So it was just a really like, um, it really opened the door for us to be in deeper relationship than just like strategizing on podcasts and those kinds of things. And honestly, this week I was just with Aunt Becky And she stayed with me and my family again, again. And, um, and my mom and dad and sister came down and my mom and dad got to meet aunt Becky as well. And so it was just like, our families are very like wildly connected for someone who lives in Ohio and Louisiana. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we just keep deepening the connection uh, between our churches and our families and, because that's what happens in sacred friendship.
2: Right. And, like, and it was, it was, especially with, with like Pensacola, it was as advertised. Mm-hmm. Right. because uh, there in, in friendships, especially with clergy and cultivating friendships, trust is a huge part of that. Right. Are you not mm-hmm. being honest, but are you being genuine? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Hey, go to my aunt's condo and like at five in the afternoon, I show up on it. Like there has to be this level of, of trust. With the vulnerability of what of what friendship is, right? And, and for me, uh, I, I think there also has to be similar language, and I don't mean words. I mean translation isn't necessary, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So, like for for uh, me and Rachel, we're same age, same stage. We I do know, similar things in the parish.
0: Or we're the same age. Oh my God. Oh my
2: God. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. I know. I well, there's like I love there's you. A 20, there's a 20 year difference between like I understand. Like I look 50 and she looks 32, right? I understand that. You know, like oh, is this your daughter that you're traveling? Oh God, no, she's, um, There has to be uh, similar similar language, right? And similar not language, but the translation needs to be yeah. same. Like I don't have to translate a lot, right? When I'm talking about the work that I'm doing in the church, she gets it right? So yeah. there has to be a level mm-hmm. of, we don't have to, have to spend a lot of time translating what we mean and what we're doing, right? Similar values, similar kind of work, similar understanding of what the church is and the role of the church. There's just, there doesn't need to be much translation because in friendships, when when the language is off, mm-hmm. that that can be really trying, you know? And again, it's not the words, but it's the value, right? How do you share that value? And I also think it's important, especially with clergy, that that the power differential needs to be yeah. relatively mm-hmm. balanced, Right, uh, and and again, like since we're the same age, like by two years, uh, and stage is 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 relatively the same in our in our spheres of ministry. Uh, we both works, have four right?
0: kids. We've been married about right. two years. Yeah,
2: right, right. So a lot of those commonalities help because I know, like, when I share something with Rachel, she's not calling the bishop of Louisiana saying, "Oh, well, Matt's going through something hard. Like maybe you should consider, you know." The, the power differential is, is relatively the same, which is really, really helpful in, in terms of cultivating the vulnerability necessary to have a best friend in ministry.
0: Well, and let me say, I want to dig down a little bit on that too, because Matt probably can attest to this too. Sometimes when, you know, we speak across the country, we write books, we're on podcasts, there is this level of like collegiate jealousy that can happen yeah, and sure. that isn't yeah. between us. Like that doesn't exist right? because it's like, no, Matt, I want you Yet. to be the absolute best that you possibly can be. Now we are competing. <laughs> yeah,
2: go Advent, ahead. yeah, go
0: ahead. Because <laughs> we both have Advent yeah. studies out with Abingdon, which I said, I'll write an Advent study if I don't have to compete against my bestie. And dag it, they yep. still made me compete against <laughs> like, a them yeah.
2: like a week later. Like a week
0: later. So anyhow... But I do, like, even in that, we get over ourselves and we say, well, let's make each other the best we've, and we helped each other. Like, it's not like we wrote material for each other, but we really did help each other all along the way. And frankly, um, I've written a couple of books, but this guy has like 27 and like, not quite. Yeah. (laughs) But so I'm not afraid to be like, hey, what do you think about this? And how can this be better? And how can I shape this? And what should I do for this? But I haven't taped a DVD in six years that hasn't been with Ginghamsburg. Matt, what should I wear? What should I do? How should I act? So we're not afraid to give each other advice. And I think that's really, and I'm not afraid to be like, you're going to go do what? You're going to speak where? You've got this opportunity? Hell yes. You know, like, And I don't think we always experience that kind of thing from our colleagues because we live in this mentality of scarcity and Mm. scarcity does not exist. We could cheerlead each other across the board. But again, that's going to take risk and that's going to take vulnerability. Okay, you probably want to say something.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's fine. It's fine. She has plenty to do with Wesley Impact Partner. It's fine. She's got the long to do this. Um, but to, to piggyback on that. So y'all just can just quick. carry the
1: podcast. So just keep no, going. Fine. You're doing yeah, great.
2: Thanks. <laughs> hey, Lisa, thanks for joining us, uh, in our, uh, phone call this afternoon. <laughs> we appreciate you uh, coming to this. So, but I, I think the, 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 two things that there needs to be great affirmation and cheerleading, right. As yeah. if there's not enough evangelism to go around. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. Right. So to, to be each other's cheerleader where it's not threatening. Yeah. Right. I don't, you know, yeah. when, when you were at Gingersburg, like I wasn't zero desire to be to lead past Like there was no, there was no mm-hmm. competition in that, in that sense that there's genuine cheerleading for like where we were and what we were doing, but also challenge. Yeah. Right. We, we have cultivated a safe space enough to say like, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. Or like, don't do that. Right. You should rework that. Or like in our other like relationships for you to say like, ah, I don't know. I think you're the jerk. (laughs) I think, I think the other person's in the right. Yeah. You know, some serious truth telling. Yeah. No, no, exactly. Right. The, the the messy truth telling and to trust each other enough to be able Mm -hmm. to say like, no, you're actually being the jerk in this situation and you need to, you need to reconcile with so-and-so or whatever. Or like, don't make that higher. Okay, go ahead. You can talk. I see you chomping at the bit. Go ahead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have my three words. And candor is my Listen, last word. Like, I, like
2: 20, I have 27 oh, nice. and I've gotten through four. Well, yeah,
0: it, but I do think <laughs> candor is really important, but that's taken time for us to cultivate because let me say, I'm used to an environment, a team-oriented environment where you just shit, you speak the truth and love. I mean, that's just what you do. You speak the truth and love and you build this, you cultivate trust and you keep trusting. And at the beginning of our relationship, I remember a conversation that we had where Matt was flat out like, I didn't ask you to coach me. Are you being my coach I right now? I said that out
2: loud. I Are, said, I, I, yeah. I'm not
0: asking you to go, And I was like, <laughs> You're
2: no, not my coach. Wait
0: well, <laughs> a second. Like,
2: did like, <laughs> I send you a check to be <laughs> so my coach right me. now?
0: And I was like, Oh,
2: I need you oh. to agree with me and affirm how terrible I'm being to this human. Like, that's what I need you well, to well, do. Yes.
0: And I was like, <laughs> And you
2: called it out. You're like, No. I was
0: like, Okay, I'm not going to. And so sometimes we start our conversations and I'm, I'll be like, I'm not coaching you, but can I give you some advice? <laughs> like, or, <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to be, can I be your coach right now? I, 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 do I have permission? Because again, I'm used to a culture that is super frank and upfront and honest and candor is, you know, this is what I'm a Midwesterner. Like, we just say what we think, you know? And so <laughs> having to. I'm like,
2: from the South and we take great pain in making everything very polite. Even our racism is very polite. <laughs> like we we have to frame everything yeah. however it is in a, in a much more yeah, you're you're Yeah, rude. and I
0: had to I had to learn that like, oh, that's not normal for you. And sometimes when I'm that like honest, it could be hurtful. It could mm-hmm. be perceived as rude. And so, I'm like, "Oh, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just trying to like say what I think. And right. and so there has always been, in all relationships, particularly friendships, particularly clergy colleagues, where we have to take a deep breath and say, oh, um, you know, I, th- this is the accountability piece in our relationship. Like, um, yeah. And uh, there are times that I'm the jerk too. He's not the only jerk, right? Like
1: sometimes I'm the jerk in um, the things that I'm navigating. Yeah, no, you are <laughs> in my world so I, right i'm going to jump in and just you know there's so many threads i'd love to pull on that you all have have talked about it, the the candor the honesty the the shared uh language or translation and this this sense that you both named of how um we as clergy aren't always good at this and mm-hmm. and one of the things I read a long time ago. Do you remember the book Vital Friends by Tom Rath that built on that Gallup research about how important having a good friend, a best friend, they actually use that language, best friend at work. And so now they've done tens of thousands of interviews in secular work settings. And one of the questions they ask is, do you have a best friend at work? Because it's the best predictor for engagement and even productivity Mm -hmm. at work and for the corporation as a whole for, you know, profit and profitability and such is this notion of you have a best friend at work. Okay, think about that in clergy settings when often we're solo pastors or, yeah. you know, maybe there's just a few on staff and we're miles and miles from our friends and yes, we're connected through, denominational gatherings and different annual conference gatherings or different kinds of things, but we still have a lot of our work that is in isolation and kind of protected, if you will, from, cause we've got all these boundaries with, with our laity and our leadership teams and, and those sorts of things. And, and so I love this witness that you all are speaking into and, and sharing where your states apart. I mean, never mind. Right. You know, miles apart. Miles. Miles. <laughs> a thousand miles. Something, it's something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, I I would love to hear you talk a little bit about how you have cultivated this friendship over the the miles and distance and
2: such. No, uh, to your point in terms of like being siloed, especially as clergy right? And, ha- and how to cultivate friendship. One thing that I found, and I don't I don't need a lot of, like on the FIRO-B that I learned from actually Texas Methodist Foundation, uh, I scored very low on like wanted affection, right? I just don't need a lot of of, of check-in. Um, but one thing that has helped me is that, um, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, it's just how I do. A lot of my friends have a particular function, right? So like my friend David, uh, I've been to more Dave Matthews concerts than anyone. With him, right? He's my Dave, he's my Dave Matthews friend, right? He's my Dave Matthews buddy. When I have a, a theology question, I call Justin Coleman. Like Justin's my yeah. my theology guy, right? When I have to wrestle with theology uh, and racism and, and, and these kind of things, you know, I, I wrestle with Justin. So there are, uh, and what I found with with cultivating a friendship with Rachel is that there was a lot of overlap in those categories, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of started as a writing relationship because mm-hmm. she wrote. Uh, uh, be bold, you know, find your fears. Uh, and I had a couple of books. So it was kind of, that's kind of how it started. And then through that, I realized like, oh, theologically, like there's a lot of mapping there, right? You know, uh, music, there's a lot of mapping there. So there were a lot of things that, that made, again, that translation easy in terms of cultivating uh, uh, a friendship. And I, and I think, again, the, 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 the safe place that's there uh, is probably one of the most important things. Uh, to me, at least, um, because I know that even even when I've had like a terrible day, right, and I'm not friendly, I'm I'm you know I'm a porcupine, you know this kind of thing. I know that she's not going to come back and say like, "Hey, you're like," it's, it's a safe place to be, right? Mm-hmm. Good days, bad days, you know that that kind of a thing uh, where she gets it, right. Um, so in terms of cultivating, it started as this kind of compartment, like here's my Dave Matthews friend, here's my theology friend, hmm. here's my you know, go-to-Disney World friend, uh, and here's my writing friend you know, that I'm talking to right now, right? And then through that, there was a lot of mapping uh, that happened that kind of by default created this safe, this safe space to be vulnerable.
0: And I think, honestly, hmm. our friendship is a beautiful example of the capacity of digital discipleship.
2: Mm -hmm. digital relationship Mm
0: -hmm. because Matt and I never met each other face-to-face. We were besties before we actually physically ever saw each other. Um, You,
2: you, you met my aunt face-to-face before I met you face-to-face.
0: That is true. That is true. Like I met his aunt Becky before I met him face-to-face. Now the likelihood is we knew each other at Duke. We just didn't know we knew each other. We were at Duke Divinity School at the same time. And like we had... Our friend groups or acquaintances, like it's so, it's almost eerie how many people we know of each other but don't know each other. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have a clergy girlfriend who's just up the street, my bestie in uh, Delaware, um, who (laughs) knew Matt at Duke Divinity School and we were really close, but Matt and I didn't know each other. So it's just really this wild, like Venn diagram of um, not really ever knowing who each other was. And it was through writing that we discovered one another. Um, And then there were all of these near misses. Like I would be speaking at something that he was hosting and he'd go home a day early and then I would be the keynote speaker the next day. I mean, that close of a like, and we were talking through those processes, emailing each other, messaging to each other, all that kind of stuff, talking about like, all the things that we were trying to do, but never getting together face to face until I think it was church of the resurrection
2: resurrection. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, oh no, the large Methodist church. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And
0: so the large Methodist church event that Adam Hamilton had, and my first comment to him was like, you're taller than I thought. <laughs> 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 I'm like you're yeah. taller than I thought. So again, such a wild podcast together. We had been on like webinars together, but on a that's webinar right. you don't know how tall a human is, right, um, right. and so it was just really. So we were able to cultivate that, and then it feels like every other week someone's having us do something together, and so that that's the other thing. Like the Methodist universe has put us together for a thousand things for the, in the last couple of years that have just really created this relationship.
2: And what I find super, cause that, that is, it's just a super interesting story of like all of these near misses, like for 20 years, right. All these mm-hmm. near misses. And my, my favorite example of, of that <laughs> is uh, Rachel is, I mentioned something in her book, uh, find your fears, be bold. And just to show you like how tangible and how close those ships kept passing, uh, she was busting my chops because I was compl- I was complimenting something that she had written. And she's like, you didn't write my book. Like, stop busting my chops. Like, stop stop doing that. And I was like, turn to page two. You turn to page two in her book, and there's my endorsement right there in the front cover. It's so embarrassing. And like, not only <laughs> have I read your book, I I'm like, I'm freaking endorsed it. Oh, she was caught red-handed. <laughs> like (laughs) she's got so many
1: besties (laughs) that's
2: that's right that's right it's like i'm like clawing my way through all of the besties that's just like i literally endorsed your book like but but the 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 fun of that story is like how tangential all of that was and through yeah through emails and 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 this kind of thing uh cultivated a friendship and then like yeah you literally met my aunt before i met you Mm -hmm. in person like how crazy is that and then yeah and then all of a sudden like. Boom, 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 boom. Like, you know, all these things, you know.
0: And now, cool. like, Matt is coming to preach for me. And and honestly, Matt's coming up. We're having... My mom is navigating pancreatic cancer. <sighs> She's going south. And we're having an, a healing service. And he's coming up to help me because he's been um, pastoring my mama, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, so um, it's just... Like the connection is just so amazing. And so, and it's not just, and let me say, you know, um, I have a, like I said, I have a covenant group of clergy women, but I also have this group of pastors thinking about the bigger picture. You know, sometimes we think, well, like the conference, maybe the district should put us together as clergy, or maybe the conference should put us together as clergy. And I would just encourage people to look beyond their like, Jurisdictional lines mm-hmm. and cultivate the relationships because we can through technology that you need. Like, yeah, and I'm just gonna shout it out to like all of these people. Like Tom Berlin, pa- Bishop Berlin has been my pastor in this season. Like, it started with his prayers for Sarah, my littlest, and her eyes. And he checks on like the day he was moving. He called me to check <laughs> on my mama. Like, yeah, come on. Dwayne yeah. Anders is always... I mean, I could go like George Savedo, Adam Hill. Like, I could go... He
2: got a lot of friends. Yeah, we get saying, it. We get I'm, it. i
0: saying, like, <laughs> it's just Michelle Harris in Louisiana. Like, again so and wanna, again. And,
1: yeah. yeah. I want to stay in this place a little bit and say, you, you know, earlier you referred to your friendship between the two of you as a sacred friendship. And, and so mm-hmm. I want to... As, and now you're, you're lifting up these folks that, that are walking with you that yeah. I think you would also call holy friendships. And so yeah. what, what makes it, what takes it to that level? What makes it a holy friendship or a sacred friendship?
0: For me, one word, vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Like it's got, and I think it's that vulnerability, safe space to be vulnerable, so, like, I think about, I mean, I think about all of you all <laughs> that I can see um, yeah. that you have given me space to be real and to be vulnerable. I know, Lisa, you and I have had conversations. I know I've had conversations with Joe. And, um, and but I think the only way that you have those deep relationships is you get over yourself. I want to cuss so bad. You get over (laughs) yourself and you recognize we are all flipping, messy human beings. We all got (sighs) stuff. It is not easy. There is suffering in our experience. And instead of like holding it all to yourself and thinking that you got to be some superhuman pastor or person, you let people in you let people in and can you get burnt? Sure. Shit. You can, (laughs) like you do get burned. You do get burned, but like, that's part of it. That's part of it because people are humany humans be humany. And, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean you love less. You love more. You just keep loving more. So,
2: yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's, there's the vulnerability and there's also the trust yeah. that has to go with that, right? The, the trust that knowing that your vulnerability will not be used against you,
0: yeah. the
2: trust, right? So that you can be vulnerable and it doesn't go anywhere and that it's held. And, and it's also with trust, I think in these relationships is, are you who you say you are? I, I think that's huge in terms of being burned by friendships and being burned by being vulnerable. Is that people, off, we preacher folks, yeah. tend to project a lot of mm-hmm. a persona, project a lot because in, in, honestly, our people are looking for us yes to be human, but also to be leaders, and the, you're the expert in some areas. and And I think in terms of these friendships, are you who you say you are? Is huge. Are you authentic? Are you genuine? Is so there's there's the vulnerability there's also the trust in you are who you say you are right because that can that yeah. can go south and that can go wrong and, and wonky in a lot of ways if people are projecting a persona to cultivate a friendship and it's not authentically who they are right whether yeah. they're trying to move forward professionally whether they're trying to get an endorsement whether they're trying are you who you say you are is a huge part of these friendships lasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and maintaining that vulnerable space, right? The trust to not only the trust to be vulnerable, but the trust to hold it and to hold that space. You know,
0: there's a mutual giving and receiving there that you're talking about, Matt. Like
2: mm-hmm. because
0: if it's all you giving and giving and giving and giving, that's not a healthy balance. It's not a right. healthy balance. Right. But if there's both giving and receiving. It's way easier to cultivate trust. This mutuality
1: feels really important. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to take us to a place that I think is really, really important for this conversation. And that is, is the church the place where people can find and cultivate holy friendships? And I know the answer, right? I mean, we know, well, yes and no. So, I want to invite us to play with both the yes and the no because uh, this feels really important. Because if we're not cultivating, if this isn't the place where we can cultivate and nurture holy friendships, then what are we doing? Yeah. But I think there's a yes and no to it. So, maybe, maybe let's start with the yes. What makes the church the place where we can really find and and nurture these holy friendships.
2: I think yes, in the sense that you are doing world-changing things together. And it's it's the kind mm. of environment where you're learning, you're growing, you're bettering yourself. You're also walking and challenging with uh your neighbor, right? So church is built for Emmaus. Right? This this walking mm. toward the table where we finally yeah. recognize Jesus. You know, and, and I love how Jesus even says it. It's in, I'm a Methodist, I have to look it up. So I, I, but I think it's like John 14, John 15. 15, verse 15. 15. See, so Rachel's a (laughs) Methodist, which means like she reads the Bible (laughs) and actually like enjoys it and like does it every day. You know, I have to like Google stuff. So, okay, John, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. I call you friends. Right? There is a change and, and I don't think we make a big enough deal about this because because sometimes we we go to church and we think that we are called to like please god instead of being in relationship with god <laughs> through christ right jesus says i don't call you servants anymore i'm calling you friends and that's huge because because servants don't know what 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 the master's doing right you know me right in terms of being vulnerable with your friends look at the disciples and look at their wrestlings and their strugglings, right? Um uh, in terms of being human. Oh my gosh, you know. So I, I think yes, the church is a place to to, to be friends. It's written in the gospel to be friends with Jesus, right? Uh Jesus called us his friends. And and then there and then there's the no uh in the sense of because I I've been in situations where pastors are too vulnerable with their own flock, right? Uh and there, there, is, a, there is a right? <laughs> right? there's a right right. 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 Yes. Take the nails out of your hands and, and write the newsletter, right? You know, this kind of a thing, like I'm surprised you can hold the Bible because the nails are too big, you know, sticking out of your hands. There is a level of vulnerability that has to be appropriate with your leadership and your charge, right? Yes. They need to know that you're human. Like, do not go in there thinking that you aren't fully human. It's all divine. What you're looking at is all divine. Uh, That's a lie. However, they need to know that they need to know that you are walking with them. They are not to serve you in the same way that you're called to serve them, because there've been there've been pastors, and I'm, I don't know whether to say right or wrong, but I've I've been in I've I've seen situations where the pastor needed the church more than the church needed the pastor, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe short term, like that's okay in terms of healing and the big picture, but so there is in terms of no, there does have to be uh, some kind of maintenance in terms of the boundaries of yeah, I'm, I'm your pastor, I can't clock out. I might really, really want to clock out and take the the collar off, uh, but there has to be a, a, a level of discernment in terms of how vulnerable you're going to be with the, those you are charged to love. So yeah, yes and no, right?
0: I think it's really like, it is really important. I think people need tangible handholds of how do I do relationships? I mean, mm-hmm. it's where are you going to figure out how to do relationships? Um, I'm a little obsessed with this stuff. I'm obsessed with teaching people how to be in good, genuine conflict with one another. I have this entire phrase about hard conversations that I stole from another church, national community, ask anything, listen well, freely disagree, love regardless, because I really do believe it is my responsibility to teach people how to be in authentic relationship with one another and their neighbor. Like I just um, because where else are you going to learn healthy relationship and vulnerability and being honest and not like not being passive aggressive? All these things that sometimes we see in church. How do we become like this amazing example of healthy life giving relationships within the body of Christ? Because how often do you encounter this is the opposite churches that are unhealthy and negative and toxic. And everyone around is looking at that and saying, no, thank you. I do not need any of that toxic religion. Thank you very much. I got enough stuff to deal in my own life with. I don't need yours too. So I do think it's a bit of a playground, a sandbox, if you will, of teaching people how to be in authentic relationship with one another and with their neighbor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what are the barriers to that? Um, toxicity, obviously you've named that and and oversharing or, or n- poor boundaries. No, I think
0: it's toxicity. I think it's negativity. I think how divisive we are. We don't know how to talk to one another, particularly if we don't agree with one another. And so teaching people the basic building blocks to be in relationship with people they disagree with is huge. And we are so spiritually insecure, as human beings, and we hold on to the stupidest things that we can't let go of those things and be in relationship with one another. Almost as if we have this insecurity, like if I don't hold on to this this piece of being right or this piece of relationship, then I'm going to like lose my salvation or something. And so we have held on to religion. We have held on to being right more than we've held on to being in relationship
1: with God and other people. So what does that look like for you to be creating that space for folks? You, you even use the word teaching, teaching them how to be in relationship mm-hmm. with each other. So what does that look like?
0: So I'm kind of working on a PhD, like joking, not joking, in hard conversations. <laughs> I really do um, pride myself in helping conversation, helping people have these hard conversations. And so um, I mean, I have, like whether it's through preaching series, I mean, even I have this weekly update every week that I send to 50 of my leaders in my congregation and just teaching them, what does it mean for us to be in relationship? We've got to be honest and authentic with one another. We've got to speak the truth in love. And even saying, sometimes we're really good at speaking the truth and sometimes we're really good at at love piece, but sometimes we're not putting those two things together. So how do we have this like grace and truth conversation so that we're not destroying each other with our words? but rather we're mm-hmm. building each other up. And so the key, I think, to all of that is people who are willing to grow. Not everybody's willing to grow, um, yeah. but people who are willing to grow. And as a leader, having the spiritual security and confidence to say, if they're not willing to grow, then it's okay for them to go. <laughs> mm. Just saying, just saying. And being like, okay. This is not the right place for you because like there isn't room here for hatred, division, and toxicity.
2: Be on your way. Rachel does. She excels in the content of what happens in the space. Right. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I'm playing with is, well, what are the spaces? Yeah. Like what are those spaces? Right. Right. So like in terms of like just yesterday, we were experimenting uh, with discord Mm -hmm. uh, that you can play online games with people on your discord feed, right? Uh, you couldn't do that a year ago, right? That's a new space for people to to connect. Uh, we have at Asbury, uh, uh, my, my, my church here, uh, we have a retreat center uh, in the metaverse where people can go and they can talk and it can be like password protected. Like I know who's in there and when they're in there and it's a safe place for people to connect where they might not otherwise can right? Uh, And there's darts, and there's cornhole, and there's all kinds of things where people can like connect (laughs) and play. So, uh, what 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 Rachel brings to the table in terms of the content of those spaces, right? I'm experimenting with what those spaces can be and should be, right? You know, because I think sometimes the church assumes that all of that has to happen here on campus, right? Mm -hmm. Or it has to, like for example, or it has to happen at like pub theology, right? Well, then there's a barrier because not everybody can gather in a bar and that's just not conducive forever. So there, so I feel like it's my job to remove barriers for gathering period. Right. And again, that's Mm -hmm. kind of where we make a great team because she's much better at what the content of that gathering needs to be. Uh, And I think I'm uh, finding a lot of fun and fruit in where the spaces are being, what are the spaces in general? Right.
0: So I would say it this way. I dream a lot in practicality. Like Mm -hmm. how can I get real humans to be better humans right like i'm always like and then like actually doing that work and i feel like matt is out here like moving me into the future saying that's cool that you're doing that in a coffee shop or you're doing that in your living room how can you do that in the metaverse and what does that look like and how are we reaching people how can we reach people we're not already reaching and so there's this incredible like synergy that we have and i'm like what about this and he's like what about this and i so, um, and I don't feel like I have to be the expert in right. new technology and he doesn't feel like he has to be the expert in building the kind of having the hard conversations that I'm so kind of used right. to having. So that really helps us both in our friendship and also as we're dreaming forward in projects that we want to do together.
1: I love that. Uh, Victoria Atkinson White wrote the book, Holy Friendship, and she talks about how friends push us to dream bigger.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm.
1: just what you're describing right there, right? That you have you're taking your own imagination and your your own both pain points, but also um, uh, passion points. And when you talk to each other, you feed off of that and you dream bigger. And yeah. that's that's beautiful. Okay, we're asking all our guests this season a final question. We have touched on this a little bit but we're going to distill it down. So complete the sentence. You know you're in a holy friendship when?
2: I would say where there is vulnerability, trust, affirmation, and challenge. Yes, space to be vulnerable, but know that that is held, right? And you are who you say you are. You make each other better. Uh, You make the people around them better. Like my Mm -hmm. staff is better (laughs) because of my friendship with Rachel, right? You know? Um, uh, you know our kids, you know it, it's it, the, the people around us are better uh, because of the way that we've challenged each other, right. Uh, so challenge and affirmation, but also the, the the trust of vulnerability. You can't just be vulnerable, that also has to be held. right? And so mm-hmm. I think that's what makes a, a, that's what makes a friendship holy.
0: And I would say when you both are growing deeper in faith, right? Like sometimes I think as pastor types, we were like, oh, we're there. We have arrived. But the reality is like the way that Matt, like we make fun of each other and he calls himself like a method Anglican and I call myself a method And so I'm always like telling him step in the flow, just step in the flow, like just align yourself <laughs> with what God is doing and step in. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about, right? And, yeah, and
2: you don't have to plan everything, Rachel. right? Like You don't have and to so, everything.
0: Yeah, right. and so um, it's just really interesting how experiencing church and faith from a very different kind mm-hmm. of center of gravity helps your faith grow very deeply. So if the friendship is going to be a holy friendship, it's going to help cultivate faith in both of you.
1: Beautiful, and a beautiful note to end on. Y'all are amazing. You're so much fun and so uh, faithful and passionate and energizing. Thank you for being with us. I appreciate you both. I'm so grateful to both Thanks of you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Igniting Imagination is a production of the Leadership Ministry Team at Wesleyan Impact Partners with excellent editing support from TruthWork Media. Follow us on social media at Wesleyan Impact Partners. Visit our website at ignitingimagination.org and share our episodes with friends and colleagues. Our hope is that these conversations can spark imagination in your context. I'm Blair Thompson. On behalf of all of us at Wesleyan Impact Partners, thanks for listening.